The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an Impact Fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome to the show, Karina Maybe. Hello. Hello. It's midweek. Ridiculous. How, how's it hanging on your side of the world? We generally record midweek. It's not that ridiculous. I feel like it's been a week though. Like I don't feel like it's a Wednesday and for you it's fucking Thursday. So I'm kind of right and kind of not right, but I don't know. Meh. It feels like a Thursday. It's been a fucked week. Whatever. It feels like a Thursday. It doesn't feel like a Wednesday. I'll tell you that much. Hey, go fuck yourself. It's because it's like fucking what? 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday? Uh, 9.30. Close fucking enough. Whatever. It's not my fault you like to be... X amount of hours ahead of me. I'm like the Terminator. I'm from the future. You still can't fucking tell me the lotto numbers. So really, what good are you doing me? (laughs) That would be very helpful if we could do that. I'm just saying, like, I would love that. Especially your lottos. Yeah, whatever it is, a fucking billion dollars or something like that. Billions of dollars? Not like, oh, want to win two million dollars? Like, no, we'll we'll take two billion. Thank you very much. I'll take 2 million shit. I'll take 500k. That'd do me solid. I'm not looking for a lot. Uh, So before we dive into the topic this week, as always, Pario Magazine stands in solidarity and support of SAG-AFTRA in their fight for better working conditions. Our publication has always been focused on the creative brilliance of these individuals rather than on the business of film and TV. As such, we will continue to highlight their creative talents during this time so that their contributions to our entertainment are not overlooked. This week, we're getting very meta as we use our movie review podcast to review a movie about a podcast. This, this is trippy. Yeah, when I was thinking, thinking about that intro, I was like, wait, we're on a podcast that reviews movies reviewing a movie about a podcast. Yeah, this is a very, I feel like uh, over the past, like, I don't know, several weeks you and i have consumed a lot of weird movies and this is one of those very weird fucking movies that you were like hey we need to we're gonna watch this and i go sure yeah whatever and yeah yeah we just keep rolling down this train of strange strange things yeah i guess that's partly the whole spooky season thing where we're watching these random like horror movies that are kind of weird and wacky Mm -hmm. yeah this one starts pretty normal and then gets really outrageous and weird yeah, it's it, it got strange real quick. Uh, so it's described as a high-concept sci-fi monolith. It's about a disgraced journalist portrayed by Lily Sullivan as the only person shown on the screen during this movie as she begins to develop her new true crime mystery podcast. And like I said, what starts out as a compelling mystery story quickly divulges into some sort of weird alien conspiracy, which kind of forces this journalist to confront her own past lies and moral failures. Before we sort of dig in too deeply, what did you think of the movie? So this movie was 
odd. Partially, like, my whole, I guess I did not register in my head that she was going to be the only person in this film. Mm -hmm. And, like, halfway through, you pointed it out, and I go, holy shit, you're right. Like, and you even said it, you you commended her for, like, doing such well acting for being the only person in the entire fucking movie. Like, that that has got to be a really hard job to just act and not have anybody to play off of with you. Yeah, it was like I was having the same conversation with Blake last week about Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Yeah. Yeah, with this one, Lily Sullivan is, she's talking to people, but it's all over the phone or over, like, a Zoom call type situation. Yeah. But in that case, as they were filming it, I imagine all of that stuff was just her saying her lines and then having to sit there and they may have, like, already had the audio logs like pre-recorded yeah so she could at least hear them and react to them react to them in real time but that's not a guarantee she may have just been like okay so then they're gonna say this how would you react now say your line now do this having to like space out your lines perfectly too like just so you can stay in that kind of feel like you're doing a Q&A with somebody and there's nobody there with you is got to be very very hard and I just I feel like I would lose my mind <laughs> I'm doing that. But yeah, this this movie was a, a very, it's not a movie that I would have necessarily like probably picked on my own just because it is such a peculiar kind of kind of movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got its like moments of like kind of suspense and stuff like that, but it's not like in your face, like constant. It's kind of slow moving. And so, yeah, it is very interesting to see how it played out. And I really ind- enjoyed it in the end. Yeah, it's definitely got that sort of thriller vibe where it's like, drip feeding you sort of bits of information as you go along and you're trying to like put all the puzzle pieces together to work out what the heck is going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then it takes this big spin and it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. And it's very strange. But for me, I wasn't like the biggest fan of the spin at the end where it really got like outrageous and off the wall. Whereas that first sort of half hour, 40 minutes when it was like this weird, like investigative podcast, like kind of true crimey stuff. I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, Lily's performance, well done to her, because that would have been horribly hard. Yeah, I feel like it. this movie, like you said, it, it did start out really, really strong. But yeah, for me, it kind of fell flat and just kind of went a little cheesy almost towards the end. And I, for the better part too, like it dragged or parts of it felt like it really dragged. And I don't know if that was just because the pacing was a little bit slower than what I'm used to, or if it was because there was nobody else on the screen except for her, Mm -hmm. but just parts of it seemed to just continuously like go on and on. And I'm like, are we going to get to the point now? That, and there's no like big thrilling, exciting action moments or anything like that. It's just a lot of one person in one room talking to a computer screen or a microphone or a telephone. Occasionally she'll walk outside to have a smoke or walk into a different room to have some something to eat. But a lot of the time it's one person sitting at a desk for an entire movie. It's, yeah. I can see how a lot of people would look at that and be like, mm, I'm not really enthralled by this. I'm, I'm giving up. Also, there wasn't, if I'm, like, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There wasn't a lot of background music to this movie or a lot of like, interact like obviously there's not a lot of interaction but there wasn't like a huge like soundtrack to just like keep the pace going and things like that it was just very like quiet because she's in a place by herself and the only 
time you hear anything is when she's interviewing people. So I feel like that that probably for me is why I kind of had those moments of like, oh God, this is really like lengthy. Yeah, I think that's probably also the fact it's like leaning into that whole podcast thing where you want a nice quiet space. Mm-hmm. See, soundtracks never really jump out at me unless they're like jarring, like they they just don't feel right. Oh. So like if there was any soundtrack there, I probably wouldn't have noticed it. But if there wasn't, I also probably wouldn't notice it. Like a soundtrack and a score should like impact you emotionally, but you shouldn't really notice it. I think that's, for me, that's the sign of a good score where it has an impact on you, but it's not something where you're like, oh, I'm just listening to this music now. You should still be in the moment with the story and not being sitting there and, oh, that, that's a cool soundtrack. I don't know. I enjoy, I guess, well, I think it also maybe depends on the movie itself, but like for me, when I'm watching like an eerie or suspenseful film, I always pick up on like the like small or like the low like orchestra kind of scores and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Sometimes the, the soundtrack for me makes the movie. Obviously, like you have the, the most like known soundtracks. Like when you hear the beginning of the Exorcist theme or the ha- Halloween theme and stuff like that, like those are really like memorable. So I always am on the lookout for for things like that. And obviously, like yeah, this this did not have that. <laughs> So I, I guess it might have been intentional, though, um, just to kind of keep the pace of the whole, like, it's a quiet environment and nothing's going to, like, interrupt her. Yep. Again, Saw comes up for me with soundtracks, like the iconic Saw theme when they, it's like, oh, here's the, the big reveal and the, the Saw theme plays. Like, like ah, okay. That's one where I do notice it because I, like, it's such an iconic soundtrack theme song, but. Yeah. And Marvel movies, like, they all have like the Loki theme and the Thor mm-hmm. theme and stuff like that. Like those ones I expect it from, but like these sort of art, more artsy movies where I generally don't notice the scores, which is. It's because you can't hear them probably because like you have to turn your TV all the way up. Old age will do that to you. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, we mentioned Lily Sullivan and her performance. Do you know what else she's in this year? No, she looked so unfamiliar. Like, I had no clue who the hell she was. Should I know who she is? You should, because she was in one of the movies you really enjoyed this year. Oh, was she? What was she in? Evil Dead Rise. Oh, was she? Oh, shit. See, for me, Evil Dead Rise, I love it so much, but, like, I don't, I guess I just don't pay attention. And also, like, when people are all bloody and, like, I just, I didn't put two and two together. (laughs) I think she was, like, the main character in Evil Dead Rise. Again. Dead. No, she wasn't the main one. She might have been the... Sister? Yeah, she was the one that survived. Oh, yeah. Okay. She wasn't the, like, monster one. She was the other one. Oh, well, she wasn't that important then. (laughs) If she didn't turn into a zombie and start eating people, I don't care. (laughs) Fair enough. So there weren't any other actors shown on screen, but we did get some voices. We got the Australian actor, Eric Thompson, has as her father. He's been in... Australian shows All Saints and Pack to the Rafters. So as soon as his voice popped up, I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> and then we had Kate Box as uh, Laura, one of the other voices. She's been in Rake, Wentworth and Deadlock. And Damon Harriman uh, as another voice has been in Justified. He was Charles Manson in Mindhunter and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. So some of the voice actors were like pretty highly regarded, but yeah, they yeah. kind of just did voice roles, which is probably an interesting like twist for them to do that. I wonder if they recorded in a sound booth because recording that way versus recording normally, like in front of a camera makes 
makes for a very different performance. Yeah, because it's kind of like when people do cartoon voiceovers, like they just have to kind of get into their character. And they, for that particular role, they even had a harder challenge because they didn't even have like a drawing of what their character should look like because their character never hit the scene. Whereas like, at least when you're a cartoon, you can kind of see what that character is supposed to look like and try to put your own twist on it. But this was just very cut and dry, like the talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like they weren't asked to do weird and wacky voices. It was just like, hey, be yourself. I imagine they were Mm -hmm. given like, here's like a background bio pack of this is what the character is. But apart from that, it was kind of just like, talk as if you're on the phone. Yeah, is I just, I don't know if I could get into that mindset of just standing in a room and kind of having a conversation with yourself sounds so strange. Yep. I'm, I was impressed by all of the performances, even though 99% of them are not seen. They're just heard. Yeah, it's very weird. In terms of like the plot, we mentioned it starts with this interesting premise of a journalist developing a new podcast, which they titled Beyond Believable, which is actually a really good podcast title name. I'm surprised there isn't one like that. Yeah. And it focuses on mysteries, conspiracies, true crime, spooky stories. That's where the whole concept kind of falls away because it's a very broad podcast. And then we quickly learn that this journalist has been discredited and is facing a pretty major defamation lawsuit or has just like got through a major defamation lawsuit and as the movie went on I was like uh I kind of agree with this lawsuit yeah she was a straight up like trash journalist like when they say like the scummy journalism that is what I envision is just someone who is very like gross and sleazy like she literally was just such an ass like I'm not recording you but I'm secretly recording you and you don't fucking know or I'm going to tell you halfway through that. Oh yeah. By the way, I recorded our conversation. Like, is that cool? Yeah. That was like, her (laughs) morals were just all over the place in this movie. Cause yeah, she records calls from the outset and then like partway through is like, ah, and by the way, I'm recording this. (laughs) It's like, ah, no. What? (laughs) Yeah. It's not only morally wrong, it's actually Illegal. illegal to do that without informing someone. Yeah, like, what the fuck? I can't believe that, like, she's still okay with doing that, even though she got just got through doing that entire lawsuit is her whole backstory. She's still like, I'm just going to do my own thing and keep doing it the way I'm doing it. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. And then she also, like, heavily edits the conversations to twist the narrative, which is also pretty scummy thing to do but sadly a somewhat common practice yeah i feel like you can definitely see that especially if you watch like multiple different news outlets or like entertainment outlets you can definitely tell if they're reporting on the same story like how they've edited certain clips when they're provided the same clip and they just like edit it a certain way that they want they they take the the key sound bites that support the narrative that they want in the story which is a bit gross yeah crazy and then on that fact her publisher in this movie and or editor is not good no because they just hurriedly publish the episodes because they're on this deadline without fact checking or anything editorial oversight which given her history actually pretty risky in terms of the publisher yeah you should that should be like the first thing you do is like verify the sources verify that this is all accurate that everybody is like dotted the i's cross the t's kind of moment and you did none of that you were just like oh yeah this sounds like a great story let's keep going with it and like in doing that i think it does a great job of capturing that whole sort of podcast aesthetic and really gives you that sort of desperation from her to try and get her next big story to kind of like if I get if I break this big story, everyone will forget about this 
thing in the past. Yeah. In doing so, she's kind of just repeating history, repeating itself, which is pretty gross. Yeah, she was just a, a mess. She, as a as a journalist, she is just a hot mess and it's rough. But yeah, like you said, it's unfortunately an accurate portrayal of a lot of the media um, nowadays. Just to get a story, you'll do just about anything. And then like as the movie went on, I think the, the thing that really jumped out at me is there's that like one voice character i can't remember which one it was but they they sort of start to call her out for her practices and one of them says like not everything needs to be published and that as a journalist you have a duty of care to the public in terms of what you do publish i thought they were really important lines to pick up on and at that point it's when her character begins like lashing out and attacking anyone that sort of challenges her on her process yeah it wasn't i think that was like the the like professor or something that she kept trying to reach out to that had done like work on something before and they weren't like returning her calls or emails immediately or something like that is what i thought i think that's what that character was or who that was yeah i think she spoke to a professor who'd also like been researching these languages and then mm-hmm. she spoke to another journalist as well who was like yeah you don't need to publish everything like yeah don't do it it's like like we're seeing with the Israel-Palestine war at the moment, like, maybe we don't need to publish everything immediately. Let's fact check all of this stuff first. Yeah, it's just, it's a mess, but it's like art imitating life, essentially, because it's literally spot on. (laughs) And like, with the way the movie conveys all of this messaging, I thought it did a really good job of touching on those topics of ethics, morals, even gets into some sort of mental health, depression, suicide areas as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But in doing that, it was also really hard to come emotionally invested in this character because she is so like despicable in the way she goes about her practices where you kind of, strangely, I wanted her to get her come up and not to find success with this story. Yeah, she was such a, it's like, I have a love-hate relationship with her because on one hand, it's like, oh, she's, you know, she's a struggling journalist who just wants to get back on her feet. But at the same time, you put yourself in that fucking position and you're still doing it. Eh, struggling journalist as well. Mm. Yeah, well. Her family seems to be pretty loaded. I think she'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's just like, you're not changing anything about the way that you did stuff before to get yourself in this situation. So why should I give a shit? <laughs> like... Crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, like she hasn't learnt anything to... No. Oh, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it, So, but she just continues. Like, oh, well, yeah, if you get screwed over again, well, you get screwed over again. And I think that's where the movie starts to become also interesting, but then it starts to fall apart as well because you have that whole, like, oh, what is this mystery? Like, is there someone trying to get revenge on her for what she's done? Like, is it all playing out like that? But then the mystery becomes, like, really outlandish with this whole concept of viral hysteria spreading through sound and spreading through people other people hearing the story of these black bricks yeah which is a bit like strange and then we get into like psychosis hallucinations a doppelganger at one point some yeah that was fucking she vomits up the black brick that's like this big it's like I'm telling you, like, I've seen a lot of gross shit in my life. Like, I've watched Human Centipede and not blinked an eye. I've watched Hostel. Same thing. Nowadays, I'm feeling like there are certain scenes that just are, like, uncomfortable. They're not gross, but they are uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I think the the black brick thing was uncomfortable because you're like, yeah, that would actually, that's not just gross, but, like, that would be really painful. Yeah, like, we watched Appendage recently, and that 
had uncomfortable things in it. Like, that looked really uncomfortable. That fucking men movie you made me watch. Again, more uncomfortable shit. Like, yeah, that was weird. Not necessarily like gross factor, like blood and guts, but just like uncomfortable because these are things that in your head you feel like that that could potentially maybe kind of happen. Like, sure, it's a little far-fetched that I'm going to throw up an entire fucking brick, but you could still throw up a big fucking ball of something if, you know, you ain't feeling so hot. So it's just, it's a very uncomfortable thing to have to watch. Mm -hmm. And like, we even get into sort of a bit of time manipulation in this too. And that's where it starts to fall apart for me because they've got all of these different elements and they kind of, they weave together in parts, but then in other parts, they kind of contradict each other as well and it's like okay where we've kind of tried to do too much yeah which was a bit disappointing like I feel like if they'd stripped it back and just focused on maybe one or two elements the overall movie would have been much stronger because they could have fleshed those out a bit more yeah it was it was like they were trying to hit way too many genres and please too many people because I feel like they kind of are seeing what's on trend right now and they just want to follow like all of the trends in one film and yeah it just gets really sloppy and kind of like mushed and becomes unclear as to what direction they're really trying to go with it. Yeah I think if they'd stuck with the whole for me the coolest concept was the the viral hysteria spreading through sound and other people hearing the stories because I think that that acts as like a great metaphor for like social media and podcasts and stuff like propagating the whole fake mm-hmm. news concept. And yeah, with it being a movie about a podcast, I thought that could have been a really compelling line to look into and put under the microscope and expand a bit more. Of course. Yeah. It's like gossip is just traveling and then, you know, more and more people are getting involved in it. Like, Oh, did you hear about this? Like, Oh, you know? Yeah. Like we probably didn't need to bring in time travel and like, was it, was it aliens? I don't really know what the fuck it was supposed to be. I just know that she threw up a brick with some black goo and it was, just, and she was getting chased by like something that looked like her. And I'm like, all right, well, that's been fun. She shatters the brick and then the brick becomes her. Yeah, it was a really strange kind of concept. I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. And then like after that, a spoiler, we get like this big major twist that I thought was really well done and I think would have worked better if we had taken away a lot of those alien time manipulation elements mm-hmm. with the, she finds out her housekeeper was actually the first woman she interviewed for the podcast and the brick that was stolen from her was actually stolen by the journalist's father. It's like, it became this really cool, big circular revenge plot, but it just had all of this smoke and cloud crap in the middle. Yeah, like this unnecessary like sci-fi kind of vibe to it that didn't really work at all. I don't know. Yeah, like we said, a bit more editing, cleaning up in not even in like the cinematography or what was actually on the film. It was it needed to be really refined in the concept script stages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was filmed really well. The shots were great. You know, the acting was phenomenal. The set was really pretty. Like, I don't know where they filmed it, but it was a really nice, it was a super nice fucking house. And like, even the outside was just like really like quiet and like, you know, just calm, kind of like where you would expect someone to run away to where they can't like really be found by a lot of people, just they want to get away from everybody. So I loved that. But 
Yeah, definitely just need to need to clean up a little bit of the storytelling aspect of things. I think from memory it was filmed in either Victoria or South Australia's like hinterland area, like up in the the mountain areas. Yeah. Which was yeah. Very cool like location. An insanely huge house and like architecturally designed house. Very bare bones inside as well, which is a bit strange. Yeah, it was just very modern. Very modern Australian architectural house. Reminded me a lot of the the house in Kayama on the Hill that they filmed Invisible Man and the Russell Crowe movie Poker Face. Okay. I remember seeing that that house from like the highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the Invisible Man house. Yeah, it's a really cool looking house. But it's just I don't know. It, it's very, very modern and contemporary, and yeah, I just, I can't get around that. Like, I would feel like I was in prison. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, instead of wanting to, like, get away, I feel like that would have been a prison for me. <laughs> yeah, stark, like, concrete marble everywhere. It's like, you know, it just, it feels like a very cold house. Yes. In the mountains of Victoria would be, it would just be freezing. Yeah. You'd need some very, very good central air and heating. <laughs> The other big question I had at the end of the movie, because it leaves you with this big lingering question, which version of Lily Sullivan's character survived? Was it the real Lily or the fake Lily? I'm going full-blown doppelganger over here because I feel like the main Lily was just a weak-ass bitch in the end. And so (laughs) I feel like she, yeah, I don't feel like she would have been able to actually like handle her self-reflection. I feel like that's what this is kind of supposed to be about almost like, or that doppelganger is supposed to be like a reflection of herself. And I feel like if she were to encounter that, she wouldn't have survived. <laughs> so I feel like her doppelganger is probably the the one lurking around. Yeah. I think from like the stories we were hearing from some of the other people she was interviewing, I think that that's what this whole alien race, whatever the heck they were, was doing. They were finding people that had heard the stories and then using their stories to then manipulate them and take over their lives. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure she was taken over and the real Lily is floating in that dam somewhere. Good. Good fucking riddance. Hopefully your alien doppelganger is not as shady as you are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed more intent and violent, so it was maybe slightly more morally bankrupt, but she didn't – she was on the – the poverty line of morals. Yeah, I was going to say, she didn't really have a whole lot going for her anyway. If anything, this one's just kind of pushing her to the edge that she was afraid to actually cross. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that the doppelganger was just taking taking her personality to the extreme. And yeah. I think she lost that fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, in terms of an overall rating, what would you give Monolith? So unfortunately, I actually have to go low on this movie. I'm actually going to just give it a two. And it's not that I hated it. It's just I wouldn't go back to it, number one. I would suggest someone watching it on streaming if you don't have really anything else to watch. And it just, it was just too mushy, like too wishy-washy and all over the place, kind of like a plate of spaghetti for me to really be able to recommend it to a lot of people. I feel like you really have to pay attention to this and it's going to take a certain kind of person to watch it just because it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like not everybody's going to sit there for almost two hours watching one person on a screen talking over the phone and stuff. Yeah. I think I would probably fall in in around that same range. Like, like I enjoyed it as someone that like does podcasts and sort of 
is in that journalistic field. But yeah, like we've mentioned throughout this episode, just needed a lot of refinement from the story concepting and the scripting phases. But once they actually got onto set, everything that was produced on set was fantastic. Lily's Lily's performance, the voice actors, um, all the cinematography, they really captured the vibe of the the podcaster in, in a remote location and stuff like that. But yeah, the con- concept just gets a little outlandish and a little convoluted. Shave some bits, and I think this would have been a much, much more compelling movie. Yeah, I like I said, I appreciate the cinematography and big kudos to everybody who who is in it. But yeah, like just uh, yeah, that, that storyline, if it had just been a little bit more refined and they had just stayed on one track, you know, I probably would have rated it a lot higher. Yeah, it's definitely a wait for streaming, wait for a, a quiet period when there isn't a lot of stuff coming out and then maybe check it out. Pop it on. Just yeah, be forewarned that it's two hours of one person on screen with some kind of crazy wacky stories so be prepared for that <laughs> Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth if you enjoyed the show please remember to rate review and subscribe on podcast services and on youtube you can follow karina on instagram at miss karina renee and you can follow me on social media at jamie ups media and at pario magazine the commentary booth is a fan-funded production of jamie ups media you can support the podcast alongside our magazine pario magazine on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.